Hi everyone, welcome to This Is Womanhood. My name is Gina Torres and on today's episode I am talking to Brie Martinez. So Brie is a women's coach. She does a lot of women's work in the same way that I do. She works with the menstrual cycle seasons and she also works with the female archetypes which we talk about during this episode. And Brie also takes women on backpacking trips so she works a lot in nature and that's what we talk about on this episode so she takes groups into the wilderness backpacking for like five ten day trips and really teaches them a lot all of these outdoor skills and to just be with themselves in nature so I found it really interesting to chat to her and hear about how being out in nature in that way really can stimulate your senses and she's learned so much from that so yeah it's really interesting conversation so I hope that you enjoy. Before I get into the episode I wanted to tell you about my new offering that I am starting in September so it's a six-week online course and it's all about menstrual cycle awareness so it's called menstrual magic we start on september the 4th which is a monday night and we'll meet for six weeks so six live sessions you don't have to be there for each session if you can't make it and it's basically a deep dive into all of the things that i love to talk about and teach on around menstrual cycle awareness so right from all of the physical stuff you know how to track your cycle what different symptoms may mean and how to work with them, lifestyle changes, hormonal balancing habits that you can bring into your life, all the way to the spiritual parts of the cycle. So how to work with it through a spiritual lens, how menstrual cycle awareness can be your spiritual practice and can really bring so much deep insight into your life when you work with your cycle in that way and understand the energetics. So we talk about the inner seasons we'll go into menarche so your first bleed and how to heal that experience so that it changes the narrative for you throughout the rest of your menstruating years and how to use your cycle for creativity for intention setting there really is so much in this course I've really packed a lot in so that you can get a lot of value from it and I think that holding it in a group gives it a deeper alchemy because you can feel the energy of the space you get to ask me questions we'll have a whatsapp group so we can support each other and share where we're at so this group is for anyone who is interested in learning more about the menstrual cycle maybe you have menstrual issues you know some sort of symptom maybe you feel disconnected from your cycle or from your body or maybe you just want to understand more about how you can work with you know the cycles of the feminine right from the moon cycle to the menstrual cycle and and really utilize that for deeper body literacy and spiritual transformation because that's honestly what this work has been for me in my life it's such a huge part of my life as you can probably tell from this podcast and I just love talking about it so if you would like to jump on that course we start on September 4th and Seeing as you are listening to this podcast, I'm giving out a exclusive discount code to podcast listeners. So if you head to my website, trustthemovement.com slash courses, so it's the courses section on the website, all the details are on there. And if you use code WOMANHOOD, all capital letters, then you'll get 10% off. 
And so if you sign up before this Sunday, then it's the super early bird price and you'll also get 10% off that price. If you don't make it before Sunday, the early bird will be available for two weeks and then it'll go to full price. So make sure you jump on that before this Sunday if you know you want to because that's going to be the lowest price that you can get. So use that code WOMANHOOD for 10% off. So yeah, I hope that you can join me there. If you've got any questions about it, of course, message me on Instagram or via my email. All of the links to that are in the show notes and I'll put the link for the course in the show notes as well. But for now, let's get into the episode. Yeah, I'm really interested to get to know you better. This is the first time we've had a conversation and I think that from what you've said, it just sounds really interesting, all of the things that you do. So would you like to firstly just introduce yourself to the listeners and to me and let me know kind of, yeah, your journey really and and what you do? Yeah, totally. Um, So my name is Brie Martinez and uh, my company is called Wild Moon and I do backpacking trips and one-on-one coaching for women to help them get more connected to a deeper level of themselves, a connect to a deeper inner peace. And I do this through menstrual cycle awareness and nature connection and learning outdoor skills and doing things like backpacking trips. And yeah, the, the goal is really just to find the, this inner strength and inner peace that we all have that oftentimes we, we feel disconnected to. What, was your background like what led you to that work have you always been into the outdoors and to menstrual cycle awareness or is it something that you found in more recent years yeah so the menstrual cycle or well actually the outdoor stuff came first so in college I, I started to get more into that and I took a class in college where one of the components of the class was a a, a 10-day backpacking trip and I on the trip I'd never been on any sort of backpacking trip before I'd only done day hikes and it was just this amazing feeling. Like I, I experienced a feeling myself that I'd never felt anywhere else. And I, I don't feel anywhere else besides when I'm backpacking. And that's just this feeling of really what it feels like to me is ultimate freedom of just being out there. And there is nothing telling you what you need to do. It's just the flow of the day is just wake up and enjoy the beauty of everything. And, you know, hike, eat food drink your water and find a nice place to camp. And so, yeah, it was really a level of freedom that I never experienced before. And I, I had the sense of like, this is what I want my life to be like all the time. And so, you know, just having tastes of that. And I really wanted to be able to share that with other people too. And so, uh, that was my last year of college. And then after I graduated college, I, I started learning more about menstrual cycles. I had a friend who, told me that she loved her cramps because they made her feel alive. And I was like, what are you talking about? That was just, that blew my mind because I had spent most of my menstruating years up to that point trying to avoid my period as much as possible, just, you know, blast through it if I could. And I just felt like, oh my gosh, it was just this little tug from the universe of like, there is some wisdom here to be found. And so I just, ever since then, have been deep diving into that and just uh, tracking my cycle and noticing um, how that affects me and how my cycle flows. And that's been such a huge, um, window into my own wisdom. That's been really helpful. And then the third component that I, I 
love is the outdoor skills. And so I worked at a lot of summer camps after I had that backpacking trip experience or or kind of around the same time and learning skills like being able to tie knots, being able to set up a tarp shelter, knowing how to filter water, knowing how to choose a campsite, all those things. Even though I'm not doing those things every single day in life, just walking around knowing that I can tie a knot that I know is not going to come undone and I know I can get out easily when I need to. For whatever reason, tying knots has made me feel like a more competent person overall. So being able to share those things, because a lot of times we just don't get that, um, especially in school these days where everything, even from kindergarten, is on iPads. Like I work in schools a lot. I'm a substitute teacher as a part-time gig. And I go into schools and the kids are literally on their computers or iPods all day long. And we're just not learning how to do things for ourselves with our hands. So, Mm. Yeah, that... That absolutely terrifies me, to be honest. It's interesting you say that because my son, so he's eight now and he goes to primary school. Um, But when he was in nursery, he went to a forest school. And so he used to come home and be like, watch me tie this knot. And because he learned to tie knots and things. And I absolutely loved it. He used to come home from school, like head to toe in mud, having been climbing trees all day. And I just feel that that's the education that children should be having you know rather than sat on screens I'm very particular about screen time and very limited to how much I allow my son to have on screens because I just whilst I think that you know there's benefits to screens obviously we're having this conversation on a screen and it connects you to so many other people I just feel that it's like you said like we're losing those skills that are actually like survival skills as well that we need you know and I think it's really important to to educate people on that from childhood do you work specifically with women or do you do stuff with the children that you're working with in schools as well I have occasionally I mean I worked at summer camps for a long time so when I was working in summer camps I was working with kids and then I've done a few things with high school students uh some of the schools that I sub at actually have invited me in to, to teach some of the survival skills like bow drills I have a school that that has an outdoor program and I go into some bow drills and this last what is bow drills I don't even know what that is sorry (laughs) it's um a form of making friction fire so you have like a a wooden spindle that sits in a wooden board and then you have a string connected to it almost looks like a, a little archery bow but it's really it's just for for making the drill go faster and then you have a little top rock so you're you're doing this kind of motion where you're you're running the bow back and forth and it's spinning the spindle and then you create a little coal from that and you put it in a tinder bundle and you ignite that and that creates your fire. So I had a couple of kids actually get it and they were so excited and it's a very, it's really physically challenging. Uh, so I love teaching that. <laughs> oh, that's great. So when you're out and about doing your backpacking, you are going to, are you using all of these skills? Like, do you not like take a lighter? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Are you like... Well, yeah. The sad part is that we can't even have fires in the Northwest really anymore in the summers because of fire bans. So, and it's usually so hot anyways that it's not, not really necessary. In the winter, that would be, yes, that would be the best time to, to try that skill. But I, I don't really lead backpacking trips in the winter because I don't think many people would sign up for them, honestly. Um, so, but the other things, you know, tying the, tying the knots to set up shelters, you know, we take tents, but for a group shelter that to sit under, we have for rain or something, we have a, a tarp tent that we set up or, um, you know, doing the water filtering and stuff. It's a modern filter, but still learning how to do that and where to get the best sources of water and things like that. So it's not a hundred percent 
survival base where you we go out with just a knife or something but there are some elements to it yeah oh actually yeah what do you do about food you have to take your own food with you or would you do kind of like hunting and things in the wild I'm so interested in this I find this fascinating yeah it would be awesome too for hunting you would have to have license and things like that so there are things that you can gather like if you know whatever is in season like berries or nettles so we would we would be able to gather some of those if we found them just depending on the area but yeah things like hunting you need to have licenses and maybe at some point I would work that in but for now it's it's maybe um (laughs) too much logistical stuff (laughs) but yeah for food you know you just bring really packable things like oatmeal for breakfast and Uh, salami and cheese for lunch. And then what I do is I have learned over the years to dehydrate food. I have a dehydrator. And so I make the group meals and make like a really nice chili or a lentil soup or things like that. And then we just add water and and cook it up. So I make it in my kitchen, dehydrate it, and then take it out there. So. Oh, cool. That's so clever. So you, you take like camping stoves and like what, so talk me through kind of like what that backpacking trip would look like. I've never been backpacking, yeah. as you can probably tell from the fact that these <laughs> totally. questions that I'm asking, but yeah. yeah. I know. Yeah. And the thing is, it seem, it can seem so daunting, but once you do it, it's really one of the most accessible things. Cause you, you literally take the same gear almost every single time depending on the weather, you might add some more layers or something, but you just get a system down and then it can be really just relaxing and easy. So, you know, for your gear, you're going to have a backpack, a sleeping pad, a sleeping bag, and then just whatever layers you need to keep warm. And you're always going to want to have wool layers, not cotton because cotton traps moisture and can make you get hypothermic. So sometimes even in the summer, you know, if it gets cold enough where you are, you could get hypothermia if it's, if the weather's right. Um, and, or not right, I guess. <laughs> and then, yeah, for food, like I said, you're just bringing stuff that's really packable and dense and you're trying to get, you know, the most, the most amount of calories and the smallest amount of space. So you just learn what you like to take over the, the years that you do it. Some people try it out. And like one of my friends who came on one of the first trips, she brought, this loaf of banana bread and at the end of the trip she was so mad at it because she just was not liking it and it was heavy (laughs) and it was one of my other friends who gave her that recommendation it was his favorite thing to take backpacking you know so you find out what your favorite foods are and then for water there's a lot of different ways some people use iodine tablets which are really small and packable other people have like a physical pump or I like a gravity filter and yeah, a camp stove, which is like a really tiny uh, collapsible stove that runs off of white gas and a lighter, you know, your headlamp, a knife, you know, all the 10 essentials, a map. You can also load maps on your GPS now. There's a ton of GPS apps out there to help you keep from getting lost. And that, with those, if you're going to rely on them, the important thing is to make sure that you have a battery pack for your phone or something. So there's some of the modern things like that. And, you know, doing your research before you go, just making sure you know what the weather is going to be like. And uh, you can read trip reports on online a lot of times to see if if the trail's been washed out or if there's any other hazards or things like that. So, yeah, you know, just going the first couple of times with somebody who's done it before or with a group or something. And then once you've done it a couple of times, it's like, oh, yeah, this isn't actually as as daunting as I thought it was. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds great. So when you go in those hiking, when you go in these backpacking trips, are you hiking like all day and then you'll set up camp in a different place each night? 
when I go by myself, that's often how I do it because it's just fun to cover a lot of miles and see a lot of distance. But when I'm doing these trips, the whole point of the trip is not necessarily just the backpacking. There are a lot of other guiding companies out there that that focus on just doing backpacking trips. But what I really wanted to bring into this was more the menstrual cycle stuff, the nature connection, the yeah connection to ourselves and place and community with each other. So I I... I don't have us hike a lot of miles. It's maybe honestly two to three miles a day, which for beginner backpackers is, it can be plenty with a, a heavy pack. You know, if you've never carried a pack before, especially if there's elevation gain. And so, and there's also a lot of time that goes into learning how to break down and set up camp. And so that can be really, uh, just take a lot of time until you get your efficient routine with it. And so I like to uh, build in a lot of time for that because I've just learned over the years, especially with a group of people that you're just going to take way more time than you think. So yeah, about two, well, maybe two to five miles a day, maybe depending on the train. And then throughout the day, I work in other things. So like when we wake up, I I have the opportunity for people to do a sit spot if they want to, you know, I'll give a wake up call. And if you want to go find a sit spot and it's nice to have that routine every morning, you can choose to do that or you can sleep in. <laughs> and then uh, throughout the day, I'll weave in other uh, activities that go along with the four seasons or the four archetypes of the menstrual cycle, like the inner spring, inner summer, inner autumn, inner winter. And so the first day of the five days is kind of a, a settle in day, an opening ceremony day. And then the next four days are each one is dedicated to some activities to help pull up that energy of each of those archetypes, the, in the seasons, or also I go into the, the feminine archetypes of, um, you know, a lot of people are familiar with maiden mother crone, but I've named my own and I encourage people to name their own as well. So I, I use the virgin warrior for spring, the mother creator for summer, the wild woman enchantress for autumn, and then the wise woman crone for winter. So. Mm, wow. That sounds interesting. So yeah, let's get into that part of it then. So if you want to just kind of talk us through those four archetypes and, and how you relate to them, and then we can go into how they sort of present themselves through your work and through your hiking. Yeah, totally. So I know you already did a whole episode on the inner season. So if anybody wants a refresher on that, maybe they can go back and listen to that. So I'll just uh, kind of mention them briefly and, and how they relate to the archetypes. So to start with, archetypes are basically just patterns of of universal energy. So they're patterns of energy that we can all feel. And they're, they're sort of like these storylines that are stored in our collective unconscious. So, you know, if you think about the archetype of a hero, if you go into any culture in the world and say the word for hero, they probably have an understanding of what a hero is, you know, um, based on what what they've named a hero in their own culture, but it's all going to be probably pretty similar. And so we have these ideas of kind of characters that we've carried throughout our existence as a human species. And we can tap into these to get wisdom and insight into our own personal selves. We can use them to, to pull out strengths from ourselves that we didn't think were there. If we can tap into them, uh, we can learn to create balance in our lives because a lot of times we maybe have one archetype that speaks way louder than all the others or speaks first. And then we have these other archetypes that they just need a little bit of encouragement to come out. So the four that I 
work with in my program, I already mentioned them, but I'll go into each one in depth now, the the virgin warrior. And I like to mention that virgin, I don't mean as a sexual virgin, but virgin as the idea of, you know, doing something for the first time and that freshness and newness that can come with doing something with fresh eyes. And also the warrior energy of, of needing to establish themselves and be a strong presence. And so this archetype can show up for us in, in our teenage years, you know, as we first start menstruating. And it also has this energy that, that carries into that inner spring feeling. So during our follicular phase and the menstrual cycle. And so that energy is all about what can I do? What can I try out that's new for me? What experiences can I have? How can I challenge myself? How can I become a stronger person? How can I grow and learn more about myself? And so that's what she's all about. So we can see this in ourselves. I I really see this in myself when I'm playing sports, you know, just being really competitive, testing myself, or when I'm doing something really challenging outdoors, like a, a really long backpacking trip, and I'm doing a lot of miles every day. It's like this this warrior energy in me that's like, I'm going to try this out and I know it's going to be hard, but I'm going to push myself for it. So that's the first one. And also having that virgin quality to it is, I don't know if you've ever had that experience of, of doing something where just because it's your first time doing it, you didn't know how awful it was and you get through it to the end and you look back and you're like, oh my gosh, if I knew it was going to be like that, I wouldn't have done that. Right. (laughs) But because it was our very first time doing it, we just went with the flow and it yeah. was cool. You know? Yeah, like the and naivety so of it. <laughs> exactly, the naivety. So having having her, being able to bring up her energy in ourselves is really special because especially as we get older in our lives and we move further away physically from that virgin warrior phase, we can become a little bit more comfortable in ourselves. And so being able to look back and I encourage people to, to look at this through all the different lenses. So life cycle, menstrual cycle, seasons, and so we can look at ourselves and be like, well, how do I act in spring? Like, what's that What's that spring energy? And even if we're in winter, I can be like, oh, yeah, like if I need this like spark energy, I can think about like, oh, what am I like when that sun comes out and we just have the first really nice day of spring? Or I can think about, you know, what did I feel like when I was a teenager and the situation came up? So, yeah, there's a lot of different ways we can call on that energy when we need it. <laughs> mm, yeah, absolutely. I love that inner spring energy. I'm actually currently in in an autumn in my cycle. So I feel like even thinking about the inner spring energy makes me kind of almost feel what's the almost nostalgic for it because it feels like a long time ago within my cycle. Yeah. In fact, actually, yeah, should we do like a cycle check in? Whereabouts are you okay. in your cycle? Yeah, I actually just started my period like two hours ago so oh nice (laughs) so you're in that void okay cool so so that's the inner spring so then if we move to the the kind of ovulatory part of the cycle so that archetype is I can't remember which one you said the mother yeah yeah Yeah, the mother and I also tie in creator energy with it too I know Mm -hmm. not everyone identifies with mother energy and mothering doesn't necessarily have to mean a child it could be a business it could be any other creative endeavor you're trying to nurture, maybe you're in a musical group or, you know, anything like that. And so it's really this nurturing and creative energy of, I want to put something out there. I want to give the world my gifts. And so where the Virgin Warrior is kind of about discovering her gifts and like, you know, trying to figure out what 
what she's good at and how to challenge herself and make herself stronger. The In the summertime with the mother creator energy, we've almost arrived. It's just this feeling of peak arrival at, I went through all that learning process. Now I know what I want to give and I'm going to give it. And so she also has this energy of abundance too, and that things are just amazing. So if you think about summer energy, at least for me during the summer, I look around at everything outside and I'm like, wow, the world is just buzzing right now. And I know not everybody loves summer. And there's there's this idea that we have our home season too. So if you resonate more with winter, you know, when, when I get to winter, maybe you're like, that's me, that's me. So <laughs> um but in summer, yeah, we look around and it's just, you know, you go to the farmer's market and there's so much produce and the birds are everywhere and the baby fawns and everything. I live in the country, so I have baby fawns in my backyard like every day. Oh my <laughs> gosh, so that's so cute. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So I really like living here. I really, really feel that abundance energy. And it's also, I love this quote. It's one of my friends has an Oracle deck and I don't actually know what the name of the deck is, but one of the cards, I love this card and it is how, I think it says something like, um, how good can you stand it? And so that's really, to me, the mother creator energy Mm. of how good can you stand it? Can you experience all the pleasure and joy and everything that comes from this abundance that you have? And I think a lot of times we think about the mother as just being like giving, giving, giving and being really depleted. And there's this other flip side energy to it where she's just in this creative, full energy and that she has so much to give but there is that shadow side that if we if we give too much then and we don't give to ourselves as well then we can get really burned out so that feeling of like how good can you stand is like can you stay focused on all the goodness that is around you and stay present with that and also ask for what you need and give yourself what you need too and maybe go get a massage or you know something like that that really taps you into your own presence and sensuality during that time, whether it's your mothering years or it's your ovulation time um, or just in the summer too. You know, that's when a lot of us take vacations because we just want to go experience and feel the abundance. So, Mm, yeah, I love that, that you spoke to that kind of piece about being full. I love that because it is, it's the mother, it's that fullness, it's that embodied the fullness of the full moon, the the mm-hmm. kind of summer solstice, that creation, manifestation, which I, I know we'll also touch on as well, because you've mentioned that manifestation kind of ties into this as well. But we'll we'll circle back to that like once we've mm-hmm. been through the different archetypes. So looking at the the inner autumn or the fall, I guess you would call it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the archetype there for you? That one I call the wild woman enchantress. And she is, I think, the most misunderstood. And even up until a couple of years ago, I think she was the one that I was like, I don't really know that much about her. So I kind of made a point to get to know her better in myself. And so she's the one that rules over the premenstrual phase, which is what most people are aware of when you think about the menstrual cycle is that PMS phase. She symbolizes inner autumn and also the, the perimenopause state in our lives between you know, our fertile years and going into menopause, which also a lot of people or a lot of women can feel kind of tumultuous during that phase. It's, it's a phase of changing and it's, it's a descending energy. So I think the virgin warrior is, is sort of an easy energy to ride. She's ascending energy. And then we get to the mother creator, which is peak energy. And then we have this descending energy, which is the wild woman enchantress. And so in our culture, 
we have an extreme fear of death and we have an extreme fear of letting go and things dying off and things ending, you know, that's all just bad and negative to us. So I think that's where a lot of her bad rap comes from is that we don't want, (laughs) we don't want things to die. And even if they're not good for us, sometimes we want to hold on to those. And so her energy is all about letting go and being okay with the emotions that come with that and the craziness that can happen. And so if we look at the menstrual cycle, as we're going into, you know, we're letting go of those hormones that can make us feel good. And I know that not everybody has a great ovulatory phase. There are some people that that's a really challenging phase for them too. And I'm talking more about this, this archetypal flow of things. Um, you know, that energy is, is moving on from that fun flow, creative state into, uh, into our inner worlds, which for a lot of us, we're not comfortable with that partly because the world's asking us to be outward all the time. And so I think there can be a little bit of that anxiety of like, I'm not going to be honored. I'm not going to, be worth anything if I go internally to myself because the world wants me to be giving all the time. And it's this flip side of the coin where we need both sides of it in order to be full and complete. So honor, being able to honor her and uh, go with her flow is really, really important. And so, yeah, sometimes like this is when I feel like being out in nature is often really important uh, to, to help us kind of ease into that that descending energy. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I think from in terms of the work that I do, it's obviously very similar to to yourself in terms of the the kind of archetypal, the seasonal archetypal cycle. And that like you say, ascending energy in the inner spring and the descending energy in in autumn can both be very destabilizing because Mm -hmm. it like you say it's transition so it's almost like you've got your foot in two doors. On one hand you've got your foot in the Mm -hmm in menstruation and you're moving towards ovulation so you've kind of Mm -hmm. got to go slowly and not go too Mm -hmm. fast because you don't want to burn out if you go too fast through inner spring and then equally as you move through the inner autumn it's that destabilizing energy as you move from that fullness to the stillness of the inner winter so how do you navigate both of those things like how soon do you put on the brakes how much of that summer energy you bring in with you when you then leaning it more into that inner winter so it is kind of like this dance between the two I find and yeah. and like you said so beautifully that like you articulated it really well like it can bring a lot of like tension and bring a lot of stuff up because especially on that descent we do fear death and we do fear the end and the end of the cycle and we're seen as like burnt up and washed out which is just it's so sad that that's the society that we live in and that's the messaging that women hear because for me personally and I don't know whether you found this but on my journey with menstrual cycle awareness I now find so much power in that descent in that inner autumn and reclaiming that kind of wild woman enchantress that you talk about so how does we'll get we'll obviously move on to the inner winter in a second but how does the embodiment of that archetype show up for you in that inner autumn? I think that would be good to touch on because I do feel like that season and that archetype, like you've just said, can be very difficult for women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. one of the things that I noticed when I was doing my own cycle journaling really regularly was there was usually around day 21, maybe day 19, maybe day 22, but around there, there was one day where I felt this weird chaotic energy that was just irrational. Like I would get upset about things, but it would feel the same every 
month. And it would be like this one day where I just had this, this different emotion inside. And it was very uncomfortable. It's hard to sit with. But because it's been happening for so long, I almost see it as this little friend. And I almost see it too as like, wow, this is amazing. Like that I can just have like that this will appear so regularly. And it's I have to sit in awe of it, even though it's uncomfortable. I think that um, that it feels magical to me. And I think that's another thing I didn't mention with the Wild Woman Enchantress is if we think about autumn, the season, we have Halloween, which is that when the veil between the two worlds uh, thins. And so we have, you know, the the ghosts and spirits and skeletons that come up and wander our world. And I think of it that like that in our our psyches when we're in that premenstrual phase is that the veil between the subconscious and the conscious thins. And we have all these thoughts and feelings and beliefs that just bubble up and they come and wander the halls of our brains. And so for me, I think looking at it from these, these cyclical ways and these archetypal ways has made me feel more comfortable with sitting in that because it it makes it feel very magical to me even though it is also uncomfortable and I'm not sure if the discomfort will ever go away and I'm not trying to shove it away. I'm trying to look at it and see what can I learn from this. And also when I, when I feel discomfort, this hurt energy has really helped me be able to know that that just means that change is coming. This is not a steady state. None of these phases are steady states. This does not mean that I'm going to be in darkness forever. It means that changes coming. And it it also helps me looking at the full cycle. It helps me to be excited for the next cycle and what's going to come. And it does really help me to think about something amazing could happen that you don't even know is going to happen and open up to this greater mystery of not just like, I feel like crap right now. This sucks. You know, what if we start to hang on to things and make things feel permanent, that's probably the worst thing we can do. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so that's her challenge for us is to be able to let things flow by us rather than grab them and hold on to them. And, you know, you, you get that ideology in a lot of, um, uh, like meditation, like when you learn meditation, that's one of the main things that you learn is just to have that that ability to just let things flow by you or let let them go. And I think that's what her energy is about too, is very, very meditative and just, can you notice it and just let it go? Mm. Yeah, I love that inquiry. So moving on to the inner winter to the point of kind of menstruation. So if you want to talk a little bit about that archetype. Yeah, yeah, so... This is a another point in the the cycle of phases where we get sort of a steady state of energy. So we've gone through that wild woman archetype and in the menstrual cycle, it, when we get to menstruation, we've we've kind of gone through all the craziness and now we have this ability to sit with this this deepness that comes from I don't it's just this magic that can come up at this time and we have the ability to have insights that we maybe didn't have access to at other states in our cycle. So for me, I think about when I was um, in some therapy a couple years ago, 
I would notice that when I was in my virgin warrior, mother, creator, spring, summer time, I would have like nothing to talk about in therapy. (laughs) And then when I get to the other two phases, I would have like all these things to talk about. So there really is this, for me, I felt this ability to tap into things that I couldn't at other points of the cycle. And so for me, I really strive to capture those moments. And so like for me, since I knew I was about to start my period, like last night, I went to a different room in our, it's not really house. We, I live on a property and there's like um, cabins all over the place. So I went to a different cabin space and just took my journal and just laid up there on the floor and wrote and stuff because I knew that there I was going to have this ability to be more connected to my inner self in that transition phase coming into the menstrual cycle or coming into the, into menstruation. And so now my challenge is that like my energy is building now and I can feel it and to stay in this, in this phase and really look at what's coming up for me. And I think somebody else mentioned on your podcast, the book or well, Alexandra Pope, but she wrote the book wild power. Oh yeah. Wild power. Yeah. Yeah. With another author, Sharni. It's Sharni, hello, Hugo Wellitzer. So they're my mentors (laughs) at red school. So I've done a lot of work with them. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. So they have the five chambers of menstruation. Mm. And so it's really amazing to sit with that. And it really goes with that wise woman energy of there's so much to be learned in just these few days of bleeding where we can, if we can sink into, into presence and being here with ourselves and not try and rush back out into the world. And it's really amazing to just just look at at what's going on for you in your life right now and allow yourself to sit in it and not make any judgments, not make any decisions and just kind of see what comes up. But we do need to have the ability to, to slow down for that. Even if it's just a few minutes here and there, depending on your schedule for the month, it may be just a few minutes or it could be, you could have a whole day that you're able to do that. So yeah, giving, I think giving the wise woman space, because if you think about when we get to that stage of our lives, like things don't go very, we're not fast paced at that, you know, when we get to 90 or whatever, we're not at that fast pace anymore. And so being able to honor her by giving her that space and knowing that things may be a little slower, but also a lot deeper too, is really important. Yeah, I definitely feel that in the, in the inner winter, that stillness and that visioning and yeah, I think I will actually go into more depth about the chambers of menstruation. I think that would be beneficial for people. I might probably do that in a separate podcast. <laughs> I would love needs, to listen. Yeah. Needs its whole, needs its whole, um, whole own, yeah. own episode. Oh, I know. Um, yeah. So in terms of like, obviously you've talked about the archetypal cycle and the menstrual cycle. Mm-hmm. How does that then relate into the work that you do? I know you said that you weave that into your backpacking trips. And the other point that we spoke about before we started recording was about really connecting to the senses whilst mm-hmm. you're in nature so how did they both tie in to the work that you do and how does that nature connection inform how those backpacking trips go yeah so the way we perceive the world is through our senses and so basically anything we want to learn or know or do about ourselves can be enhanced by getting more in touch with our senses and I'm talking about the five senses here the sight smell, touch, taste, and hearing. And so what I do with that is they're not super fancy practices. It's a lot of just sitting. Like I mentioned, the sit spots that we do in the morning or that people have the opportunity to do do in the morning. And it's just sitting and 
noticing <laughs> and allowing yourself to be drawn into this world that is is giving us information all the time. So almost everything, well, everything really is a communication to us from the from the natural world. So the direction that a bird is flying is telling us something about what's going on over there or over there. You know, it's trying to get away from something or trying to get to something. And or sounds, you know, the um I love this story that I have. Um so I I was doing this at spot at my house back in the winter and we have these in February we get the Pacific tree frogs who will sing really loudly in these ponds near our house. And there were two ponds that I could hear the frogs really loudly. And then all of a sudden one went quiet. And I was like, oh, I wonder, there must be like a predator over there or something. And then I heard this sound that sounded like a dog with a sore throat coughing. (laughs) And so it's like, oh, I wonder, I wonder if that's a fox actually. And I just had this thought, like, that must be a fox. And then it went, it went away. The frog started croaking again. And then I went inside and looked up, what does a fox sound like? What does the, the bark of a fox sound like? And it was exactly that sound. And so it was this, this communication to me, like the frog stopped singing. And if that, if that fox hadn't barked, like I could still know that, hey, something happened over there because those frogs were, they stopped singing for a second. So there's all these communications that are going on to us in the world. And the more we're able to receive those signals, the more we can know about what's going on. And the way this ties in with the archetypes is the archetypes are all about energy. And again, energy really has a a sensational quality to it. So if we're able to tune into our senses more, we can also feel the energy of these archetypes more. So if I think about the, the virgin warrior, her energy is very fresh and new and bright. When I think about her, I can think about my shoulders going back more. I think about my eyes opening more. I think about smelling things. I think about running. I think about the the air rushing by me as I'm running or the air going into my lungs. And so when we're able to connect with them on these sensational levels, we can just get more information about them and, and know how to pull them up in our own lives. And yeah, so that's kind of a, a beginning explanation of it because sensations really just tie into everything that we do. So, mm. and so did it, did all this kind of land for you? I know you said that you went on this this backpacking trip when you were first in college and did everything kind of land on that trip or were you tuned into nature in this way prior to that trip? No, this has been, yeah, an evolution. So it was like the backpacking came first and then the menstrual cycle awareness and then the nature connection, which I really actually started during COVID um, because, you know, everything shut down. I wasn't working and I actually also hurt my foot. I had some weird injury that I don't even know where it came from. <laughs> and so I couldn't walk hardly at all. And I couldn't, it was summertime and I couldn't do much hiking or backpacking. And so I would go out and do my sit spots for like an hour every day. And it was just so exciting to see that something that was, that is so mundane on paper, you know, I'm, I was literally just sitting there and nothing, <laughs> you know, like not, not journaling, not, not doing anything besides just sitting there and using my senses. And I just was able to experience such huge magic from it. Just, just learning these things that like I was talking about the the frog and the fox connection, just stuff like that would happen pretty much every time I sat out there. I had a new realization. I learned something new about what was around me, not from reading a book, not from watching a YouTube video. It was just, and that's such a fun way to learn too. It feels so empowering to be like, 
wow, like I learned this with my own senses. Like nobody told me this, but I learned it. Um, and so like after doing that consistently for a month too, I, I almost felt like I was on psychedelics like the whole time. So I would watch like a bird sitting on a telephone pole and it would turn its head. And I would just be so fascinated at watching it turn its head and like the feathers and stuff. And it just, I felt like it connected me to the world in this really magical way. I was like, wow, if I could feel like this all the time, that it's just, it's such a beautiful way to live. And it does go away. It's like, if you don't use it, you lose it. So you know, if I'm not doing that practice regularly, I can definitely notice getting into my head more, being more worried about um, abstract things <laughs> like what somebody said to me or, you know, what's happening out in the world or things like that. Hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. So with that, you would always sit with your eyes open because obviously you're tuning into all of the senses or would you have it sometimes like more of an inward focus like your eyes are closed more like a meditation or is that why you call it that sit spot because you just it's always your your focus is on the external on what you can hear and how that how that touches you through your senses yeah so the um uh the way I would practice it is I would have my eyes open but sometimes I would tune into just one sense at a time. And so I would just bounce around and practice different things. Like I would close my eyes and just focus on what I was smelling or close my eyes and just focus on what I was hearing. And I found it really helpful to, to not feel like I was going out to seek information or seek sensation, but to allow the sensations to come to me. And then oftentimes too, I would practice, and this is really, really hard, <laughs> but it's really fun to try and practice, is to try feeling all five of your senses at once and or I'd, I'd maybe layer them in and like start out with seeing what what you can take in with your eyes and then add in the hearing and then add in the smelling until you feel like you're getting this big picture and that was really cool too because it creates for me what it feels like is it creates this fingerprint of the moment and it's this really unique moment and I feel like it helped center me in that moment too so instead of just being this human which I think a lot of times we think of ourselves as humans being very separate from the natural world, like I'm an intruder or I'm an observer or I'm an invader or um, things like that. We are really part of that moment just as much as the tree over there or the bird flying by or the grass that we're sitting on. We are a piece of this moment. And so that really helped me uh, I was kind of like in a healing process during COVID too, which COVID actually was very good for me in, in being able to like disconnect from everything and do some healing on things that I needed to heal. And that realization in my body was so helpful for that healing process to just be like, wow, I am really part of everything, you know, and that universal oneness that we talk about in words sometimes, like we are all one or whatever being out in nature and sitting there and and feeling that fingerprint of that moment and realizing that you are an integral piece of that fingerprint and that we are truly like co-creating like I was thinking about like the ants crawling around and the bees flying by I was like wow like we are all making this moment together and I am part of that creation it was just a really beautiful realization for myself mm. yeah that's really beautiful I'm just kind of letting that land in my body as you were speaking I was like really feeling it <laughs> oh nice yeah, yeah no, that's really nice yeah yeah how so I know the other thing that you mentioned was the 
around like this connection to your intuition and also manifestation and like so how did these components relate to that as a process like how do you bring in manifestation with this archetypal cycle yeah totally so I'll start with with intuition um actually intuition gratitude and manifestation I kind of like tie these together with with the senses and so starting with intuition we are taking in information constantly from everything and all of our senses are just being bombarded with with sensations all the time but we don't notice all of them because that would be too overwhelming for us so our brain filters things out for us and so intuition is basically when our our like what's happening to us that we're not aware of kind of gets packaged up into this little package and then sent to our brain and so the more we can tune into and con- consciously tune into our senses, like some of the practices I was talking about at the sit spot, the stronger our senses get at picking up this information. And then when we're not consciously tuning into those senses, uh, our intuition is strengthened. And so these these signals can be sent to us because our, our body just like, it just has... Um, better receptors basically does that kind of make sense when I just yeah explained yeah no definitely yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I'm like I don't know if I'm explaining this this well or if it just it is making sense in my brain but no I get it. I think for me one of the things that kind of came up in my mind as you were speaking was when I was younger I used to use like angel cards a lot that was like a big part of my kind of sort of teenage years I suppose and I used to use them a lot and then I kind of got to a point where so I'd take the cards and then I'd notice as I took the cards that I got a feeling within when I took the cards and so then it got to the point where I realized that the communication was the feeling not the card itself necessarily so then I no longer needed the card for that and I kind of was feeling that as you were speaking because it's almost like it's a way to access the feeling it's a way to access that intuition it's a kind of more of a connection to that because you can determine what is your intuition and what isn't I suppose if that makes sense (laughs) yeah totally yeah I think yeah just the more that we can be aware I think it's really all about awareness um and not not shutting out things which we do so much when we're just on a computer all day you know like I when I zone in when I have to be on a computer all day I like look up at the end of the day and I'm like, where am I? <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's almost like and a time that, warp, isn't it? Well, it is. People look at the screens and, you know, an hour can go by. It's what like, people are doom scrolling is, you know? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so if we're able to reconnect to our physical bodies, we can bring that, that intuition into us just more deeply and have that, that always be there for us. Um, yeah. So then the next thing that I, I think about as, as being really connected to the senses is gratitude. And so I'm sure a lot of people listening to this have heard how beneficial a gratitude practice is for mental health, for well-being and things like that. And so as I was doing my, my sit spot practices regularly, I noticed that my ability to experience gratitude really improved because I, I think I used to feel, I was able to consciously feel gratitude and be like, yeah, I'm thankful for that. And, but I, it just had this sort of empty feeling to it. And, but when I started practicing with my senses, it suddenly came alive. So I would feel the sun on my back and just, just feel this amazing, um, feeling of gratitude because I was experiencing that sensation more deeply because I was trying to tune into that sensation. And so 
yeah, it's just, it feels, they were able to fill up with gratitude more, I think, when we're, we're tying it with the senses. Or another thing I would do is, you know, if I was trying to feel gratitude for something like, oh, this water that I'm drinking, you know, I'd also think about like, what do I feel like? What sensations do I get when I'm really, really thirsty? <laughs> and how, like, how uncomfortable does that feel? And then that contrast was able to allow help was able to help me feel more, more thing or more gratitude for it because I knew what it felt like so deep in my sensations when I'm thirsty. So just trying to imagine what those sensations feel like can really tie us. It's it's like an anchor, really. It just ties us more deeply into our feelings through those sensations. I feel like everything that you're saying, I'm just letting land for a minute. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm really feeling that. I'm really sensing it. I'm really like feeling it in my body. Like I'm loving it. So then, so then the, so you've got that gratitude, the intuition, and then the manifestation. So does that come to you as a practice or does that come to you as almost a result of this gratitude and intuition? So the manifestation is almost like what follows from that. How does manifestation fit in for you? Yeah, it's kind of both. It's kind of a practice and a result, I feel like. And so manifesting, the way I think about it is really just creating a reality for yourself from your thoughts and feelings and beliefs, you know, bringing an idea that you have into physical reality. And one of the first steps is to, to be able to create a clear picture of what you want at what you're trying to manifest. And so that means that we need to be tapped into our senses because if we're trying to create a picture of something, we, if we don't have the access to our senses that we need, our picture is going to be muddy or dull or not very potent for our manifestations. And so the more we develop our connection to our senses, the easier it is to imagine that reality that we want to exist. And also manifestation is very tied to gratitude because if we, if we express gratitude for what we're wanting, even before we have it, then that puts us in a state of receiving. So if we're able to amplify our gratitude, like I just talked about doing that through the senses, we can amplify our manifestation as well. And so I actually have a story that helps illustrate this really well. And I love this story because it actually, it actually taught me how to manifest better. <laughs> and, but it was, it was just a connection of a few things that, that I had been practicing. Like I'd been learning about manifestation and I had been practicing my senses. And those two things were, were kind of separate pieces in my life. And this experience kind of brought them together. I was like, oh, wow. Okay. I see now. And so I was working as a, a forest surveyor. And I don't know if anybody outside the U S knows what that is, but basically we go around and measure our trees. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, <laughs> especially in Oregon where we have a lot of trees. And so Uh, I would have to go out to these really remote places, like drive very long ways on bad dirt roads and then hike in like an hour into just bushwhacking, you know? And so this one day I had gotten home from doing this really bad plot and it was a pretty gnarly uh, access. It was just hard to get there. And I realized that I didn't have my tree drill, which is this long metal piece of um, long metal drill that you, you drill into the tree and then you extract a core sample and then you count the rings and you can see what the age of the tree is. And so I was like, oh no, because my boss, this was like his favorite brand of drill. And he had, he had told me many times about 
I, w- I was borrowing my boss's equipment. He told me many times about how this was the best drill and they don't make them anymore and you can't get them anywhere. You can sometimes find them on eBay, but it's really hard. So I like went right away and looked it up on eBay and there was one that was like $150 or something. So I bid on it. And then I kept like getting outbid and outbid and outbid. I was like, no, <laughs> like, I was like, this is not worth it anymore. So I was like, okay, I, I guess I have to go back and go find this drill. And I don't even know if I dropped it somewhere. Like, where did I leave it? I couldn't, I had no memory of it. And so I went out there and I brought my partner with me because I was like, I don't want to go out there alone again. Or the first time I was with my work partner and the second time I didn't want to make her go back. So I, I made my boyfriend go with me. <laughs> and so we went out there and it was a rainy day and I was like looking everywhere for it. I looked everywhere that I thought it could possibly be and more. And I, we were out there for probably at least an hour just looking around this plot and I couldn't find it. And I was starting to feel really desperate because I just did not want to tell my boss that I lost his drill. (laughs) And so I sat down, closed my eyes, and I just tried to imagine exactly what the drill looked like in my hands. It had a, it was painted bright orange, which is like, I should be able to find it, but I couldn't. So bright orange handle, I imagined what the metal felt like in my hands. And I was also imagining what it would feel like emotionally, like how relieved I would feel to find that drill. And so I sat there and imagined that for a couple minutes and I was really pulling on all those skills I'd built with my sit sit spot of, of imagining it. Like I really could picture it, like almost like it was in my hands. And then I opened my eyes and all of a sudden my boyfriend's like, here it is. (laughs) And it was drilled in, it was drilled into a tree still. So Uh I thought I had I thought I had taken it out and like just left it somewhere, but I, so I wasn't looking at the tree trunks, which is you usually drill in at breast height. And so I was just like, so flabbergasted that that happened. Cause it was literally like, I opened my eyes and there it was. And so it was this feeling of wow, I just manifested that through this ability to be tapped or tuned into my senses so deeply that I could create this very clear picture, very clear emotional reality as well. So yeah, that's another huge reason why I think um, everybody learning to tap into their senses is is so helpful. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think that as well with that, because you're so tuned into your inner state, into your senses, into exactly how it feels to be embodied within, and you've got this deeper connection to intuition, I suppose it also then becomes more clear when you know, sometimes I think people can get mixed up between their intuition and their, I guess, trauma or, you know, their addictions or whatever it is speaking Mm -hmm. to them. People think like, oh, I I really, really need this thing. And actually, do you need that thing? Or is that your ego? And I think that once you can sit with yourself, you can get to know yourself and get to know those intuitive feelings within, then you can determine between what is actually your intuition guiding you and what maybe is your trauma or blocks or patterning misleading you as well I would imagine yeah I think that's so true yeah Mm. has there been just kind of we're kind of coming to a close now but I just wanted to ask about obviously these uh, backpacking trips that you go on Mm-hmm. how do you manage like the safety piece like is there been situations that have been kind of like dangerous or I don't know I'm imagining like some wild animals <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I, the reason I wanted to do the, do these backpacking trips is because I've, I've worked as a guide before also for many years through camps and other programs. And I found that that's where I felt 
my best was <laughs> being able to manage these risks. And for me, it's kind of a fun game to just be able to keep all the pieces juggle, juggled in my head and to to keep people safe and to provide them an experience that's really amazing. So there definitely are things that you run into. And I just love the problem solving piece of, you know, what to do out there. I have not run into wild animals, at least not aggressive wild animals. <laughs> um, you know, we've seen bears before, and you know, in some of my jobs where they're kind of far away. And of course they run away because they're scared of a large group of people or whatever. Um, but yeah, no, nothing major, no major problems, knock on wood, but that's also because of, of pre or like thinking ahead and, um, preemptive risk management strategies too. So yeah. yeah Cause I'm just thinking of the person who might be listening to this and is like, right, I'm just going to go out into the wilderness on my own for 10 days, yeah. <laughs> like, which, you know, I'm not telling people not to do, but what would you say are some of the, I guess, kind of key takeaways for people to think about if they do want to do that? I think I honestly wish that I was in the U S cause I definitely come on one of your trips with you. Maybe yeah. I'll manifest that at some point. Yeah, um, but yeah, what would you say are those kind of key messages for people to take away? Like maybe certain skills that they would need or certain things that they need to think about before heading out. I think probably the biggest one, honestly, is navigation. Um, if you're trying to navigate without a map or if you don't have a great sense of direction, it can be really easy to get turned around out there. So I would say, you know, do your research first and um, be able to to know where you are, be able to know how to use your GPS. And if, if you don't feel confident with it, go with somebody that knows how to the first time. So I think probably the best advice is to go with somebody that knows it until you feel comfortable that you can do it on your own. And, you know, I've had times where I'll push myself a little bit, like I'll go with somebody who knows a little bit less than me. And um, I did a trip a couple years ago where I was like, okay, I'm going to have to navigate through this, this section that's going to be a little sketchy and, um, you know, really steep. And I'm just going to have to find a way down with GPS and my own intuition and abilities. And so it went well, but it was definitely kind of an edge for me in terms of the navigation on that. But it was an, an edge that I felt comfortable with too. So knowing where your edge is and not pushing way past it, but maybe up up to the edge is good. Mm, yeah, that's good advice. So when is your next trip? Just for anyone who's listening that might be in just in the States who wants to come, how can people contact you or get in touch with you? Yeah, totally. So my next trip is August 25th to the 27th, and that's going to be in Oregon and depends a little bit on how wildfires go the next month or so. So, um, But in Oregon and a central meeting location in Eugene, and then that's a three-day trip. And so that's just kind of a, a taster trip. But the trips that I love to run are five-day trips, and those um, are paired with my four-month coaching program, which goes in a deep dive into each of the four archetypes of those cycles and into nature connection practices. And then the five-day trip goes with that. And it's with other women in the program who are also doing that. And then we just get a chance to be out in the wilderness and experience that sense of freedom. And that one, I believe, is September 20th to the 24th. And if if that one doesn't work for people, if they sign up for the coaching, there's there will be other trips um, coming up after that too, maybe not this season, but in starting again in the spring. So people can go on whatever trip works for them. 
And then the other thing I mentioned too is um, if you want to sign up for my newsletter, I have um, a free guide to moon journaling. And so if you want to learn more about the archetypes, and that's a really great way to um, to recognize those energies in your life is to do the moon journaling. And so um, I can give you a link if for people to go to the website and sign mm-hmm. up for that too. But yeah, yeah, I can put it all in the show notes, and then I'll put your your Instagram. So on Instagram, your wild wild, wild moon. moon. Experience experiences right yeah and I'll, I'll pop it all in the show notes anyway yeah awesome. oh thank you so much Brianna it was lovely to chat yeah. to you and yeah, yeah I think that what I'm feeling from your trips is like almost like it's like a vision quest <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, you go on this archetypal journey and then yeah. just being out with your senses and out in nature and connecting to yourself I just think it's yeah it's beautiful so thank yeah you. yeah thank you yeah it's been really great to talk to you I love this conversation (laughs) oh thank you I hope that you enjoyed that episode if you did then like subscribe share all of the things and if you want to get in touch via Instagram my links are below so at Gina underscore Torres or at this is womanhood message me anytime I would love to hear your feedback and as well just another reminder about the course that I spoke about and the intro It starts September 4th. So if you are interested in menstrual cycle awareness and healing your connection to your menstrual cycle, to your body, understanding more about all of these topics, then head to my website, trustthemovement.com slash courses. And you can use that code WOMANHOOD, all caps, to get 10% off. So make sure that you head there if you'd like more information. But thanks for listening to this podcast and I will see you on the next one. Bye.